2: Run to Daylight Football Podcast. I'm once again your host, Todd Burroughs. I'm glad for everyone who is joining me. I took a little bit of a break from potting, but it's the off-season, my favorite time of the year. Um, You have more time to really do research and to study and to find guests who have time to come on the pod. And today we are introducing a new guest. Someone who's never done a pod before, but he is quickly getting a reputation on Twitter for his smarts and his knowledge of football. And I'm very happy to introduce Joe Pano to the podcast. Joe, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm just uh, offended you didn't mention my looks. I mean, the great looks, too. That would have been nice. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very honored to be here. Thank you.
2: Good, good. Hey, just talking to the phone a little bit like you were before the show. Um, and, uh, yeah, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? Um, tell, 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 tell me and the audience a little bit about your personal life.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm originally from northern Virginia. I um, grew up in Manassas, Virginia, kind of 30 minutes from D.C. Uh, with traffic about four hours. Um, you know, yeah, it's brutal. A the big Redskins fan. I know. Big time. Big time. You know how that is.
2: Oh my God. Um, it's,
1: then okay, I became a transplant to Texas of all places. I'm in, uh, Dallas actually. And, um, um, so you met my wife here, got married, settled down, and we just had our fourth child. So we're, uh, we're pretty, uh, <laughs> we're pretty settled.
2: How, uh, how old are you?
1: I am 33.
2: So you're 33 with four kids? That's right. Oh, my God. I
1: think that's all I have. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I've counted several <laughs> times.
2: Well, you know, I, I wouldn't mention that to the wife. Um, <laughs> no, y- no. Yeah, I'm just I kidding. mean, I'm that's, kidding. that's crazy. You, you, know, you know what my head did when you told me that you were uh, 33 years old with four kids? You busted out the calculator? No, my head did this. That that's, that's, uh, that's a probably lot a good process. place to start. I,
1: I uh, feel the same way on most days, but it's, it's honestly the best life for sure. I, I'm, I have action at every corner.
2: Oh my gosh. So uh, give me the breakdown. How many, uh, how many boys and how many girls?
1: So my first born and uh, my only girl is Audrey. She is uh, seven years old. And then I have a five-year-old son, uh, Joey, and I have a, um, now I'm going to forget on air while it's four-year-old Giovanni and, and a Leo.
2: That's great. So you, uh, you, you married a Texan, a Texas girl.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
2: It was, was that a little bit of a culture shock when you first met her? Well, Texas as a whole was a culture shock. That's
1: for sure. I mean, um, you know, I had a picture in my mind of uh, the cowboy boots and, horseback riding and country music and, you know, all that's true, at least in Fort Worth um, and other places and stuff. But, yeah, it, it was a bit, bit of a culture shock. Um, there's some, some really – I mean, I love Texas, to be honest now. Um, but, yeah, it was a little bit of a, of a culture shock. My wife, though, she, she's a true Texan. I mean, she uh, she knows how to use her shotgun, that's for
2: sure. So don't mess with her. She's really sweet, but don't mess with her. I I have learned that it is much better in life if you don't mess with the women. I find um, you know be kind, be nice, be kind, be nice, be supportive, and life tends to go a lot easier.
1: That's that's uh, you're a wise man. You're a wise man. I'm learning i Well, uh, I'm, an old, I'll get I'm
2: an old man, so I've had a lot of time to uh, learn from my mistakes. Something uh, that that turns out to be a bit of advantage. So um oh well I'm glad to hear about that that's all very uh good and interesting. Tell me a little bit about uh fantasy football. When did your love of fantasy football start?
1: Um you know I grew I grew up uh back in Virginia like um just my my best friend's family like we were real close. Um I'm Italian by the way. He's he's Italian. We have hey,
2: how you Two doing? close
1: Italian families. How you doing? Yeah. That's right. Hey, how you- um Two close families, you know, uh, grew up with, I didn't have a brother. I had a younger sister and um, him and his uh, brothers and stuff were just their dad and even their mom and were always into football and um, I would be just kind of learning from them and they would, they were older. So I would kind of get in on their fantasy, you know, football leagues and stuff. And then they kind of kept changing and evolving. Then it was like a super flex league, you know, kind of super flex slash two quarterback league. So I was always kind of, getting into it further and further every year at a young age. And, and now I'm just, you know, I got an IV hooked up to my, to my, uh, forearm. So I'm pretty, uh, quite yeah. degenerate I, now.
2: I, yeah, yeah I mean, and, but what's great is, and you were kind of telling me this off air and it kind of mirrored my own experience. Um, you know, coming on Twitter to find out some information and then just finding this fantasy community, Why don't you tell me a little bit about that experience? Yeah, you know, Twitter, I love Twitter. Um, I pretty much
1: exclusively use it for um, fantasy football. Um, But when I first started, like you said, I was just really hungry to find more information, um, quicker inform, you know, more up-to-date information, uh, breaking news, stuff like that. I mean, all for fantasy football and reading articles and stuff like that. So when you're following all these beat writers, you, you obviously get a little bit more of an insight of what's going on and stuff. And that was just awesome to me. I love, um, I love following the beat, beat writers. Some of them are terrible, you know, but you kind of get a better picture when you of who to, who to follow and, and who to trust and stuff like that. But that was kind of like the beginning is just me getting, I didn't care about followers at all. I didn't even like barely ever tweet. I just wanted to read. I mean, that's my thing is I just read all the time. I'm always reading. Um, articles or uh, listening to podcasts when I can and stuff. So I just love uh, getting good content. I've, that's my main thing is I'm just learning all the time from um, people that I respect in the industry and things like that. And that just helps me get better. And then when I started kind of, you know, occasionally started saying a few things here and there um, and started getting like a response, I was like, Oh, I guess, you know, like I knew personally that I was um pretty good, but in terms of voicing that, backing up with stats and things like that, that takes, you know, some skills and learning and stuff like that. So once I started talking and other people I actually started responding, I was like, oh, I guess this is a, a thing. So, yeah, after yep. after a little while, just kind of getting to know people and stuff like that, just kind of became a really, really uh, got to be aware of the community and stuff and that's, that's been the
2: coolest part about it is getting to yep, see. to... Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um so how many leagues do you play in? Um I honestly I not that many like I, because
1: I really stopped trying to pursue like just redraft like season long leagues as much like that used to be the thing but when DFS came in um that kind of took over I was like trying to chop off any stagnant um leagues you know that I could so I could focus more on DFS and that was like man that was my thing. So DFS is like my, my favorite um, way to play fantasy football. I love season long. Like it's, but DFS is like the perfect compliment. And uh, now that we have MFL tens and like best ball, like I just got into that last year. That's probably, I don't know. That's, that's probably my new favorite. Um, but DFS is like, you know, you get instant results and stuff like that. So they're, they're both kind of uh, my go-to. So, I would say like I yeah, do a few I, season longs. I just, I'm doing like a dynasty for the first time this year, kind of interested in that. Um, but I'm trying to really focus more on uh, best ball to like worry about it during the year. Since I have kids and stuff, it's, it's hard to kind of keep up with all those leagues and stuff like that. And DFS is like my main thing during the season.
2: That makes sense. I love MFL 10s. I did over a hundred of them last year. And I really didn't have all the time to study last year that I wanted. I really didn't know anything about the rookies, so I didn't quite break even. But I did. It really helps you prepare for season long in DFS. So I, I ended up, you know, making money on my season long leagues. But you know what? I, I mean, I love drafting. I think everyone loves drafting. You, you know what I call MFL tens? What's that? The the one-night stand of fantasy football leagues. You know, like you get all the pleasure. (laughs) You're in trouble here. I'm 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 married, too, but, uh, you know, (laughs) she she doesn't mind a metaphor or two. But seriously, it's like, you know, you get all the fun without any of the commitment.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's pretty attractive to me because there's so much going on during the year. Um, you know, in my life and stuff like that. I just, man, that's, it's awesome. And plus I'm terrible at making these lineup decisions because like, I'm usually really good at um, getting late round guys that, you know, outperform their, their ADP. And we'll get into that later. Just kind of like what we're going to talk about in terms of, uh, you know, just being early in the off season, like understanding, like where a team is going, like their plan, the roster, like, you know, and it kind of predicts kind of like what, what type of of shift you might see anyways. So if you're, if you're pretty good at getting like late round talent, your roster is kind of even like you have good starters, but you also have a really good bench. And that always screws me over because you know, it's, it's pretty difficult to kind of make those decisions and then they end up screwing over your team on a week to week basis. So I love baseball, So I don't have to worry about
2: it. That's always been, that's always been the hardest part of fantasy football for me. Who to start? I've always been, pretty, you know, good at drafting, and I've always been great at trading, and I've always been really good at the waiver wire because I, I tend to outwork people. But, um, you know, who to start's always been my weakest, and that kind of has dragged over into DFS. Um, so well, I, I definitely, I definitely need to improve there.
1: You know, um, just real quick about that, like my you know you have friends who maybe aren't as uh you know devout to like fantasy football and stuff like that they're good you know but they're maybe not as into it as as you and and they know you as like the expert of the the group or whatever or so you so they think but then when it comes to like the actual season they kick your ass because you know they they don't have to worry about the start and sit they have like you know a certain amount of starters and they have a shitty bench so
2: yeah, so yeah. Don't have worry I, I, don't, I don't play in any home leagues anymore, unfortunately. I mean, they were easy money. I, my competitive nature, I'm always trying to play against really good people, um, try and prove I'm the best. I joined that FFPC last year. It was a $350 entry fee. I came in second in my league, um, but right. I didn't get to the bonus round. But I had a lot of injuries at the end. I wouldn't have done anything with the bonus round. I came in fourth place but then I won to get into the finals. So I made my money back. I made 500 on my 350. Um but I nice. I'm going to definitely do that again this year. I enjoyed that a lot. So well, um I'm only in on those best some, balls this year. Yeah, I I well we'll see if you get it in more than me. I ended, you know, like I said, I did 110 of those stupid things last year and yeah, that's where I'm going you, for. It. You know, I I'm already starting to study the rookies, which I never did last year, and that's going to help me a lot because you just can't. There's too many smart people doing MFL 10s to have a hole like that in your game. Right. Well, that's my favorite part is you're playing against the best. Yeah, the the MFL 10s are littered with really smart people, and – yeah, I, I think I'm going to do much better this year. I, and again, not that I did that bad last year, but uh, I, I, I think you know I, I, I'm also going to just do a lot more film study, which I know is near and dear to your heart. Speaking of near and dear to your heart, I, I heard that there was some pretty good news that you might uh, you might have gotten a little bit of a gig uh, writing. Uh, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about that? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of uh
1: careful to proclaim anything uh, you know i don't consider myself an expert at all i definitely am a student of of the game i i love it um and eventually you know i i'll i'll get there um but i do think i have a, a baseline of of knowledge and things like that but um i did uh occasionally i'll get you know an inquiry just kind of like you know i most people on twitter in the fantasy football community like they're writers and if you're talking about fantasy football all the time like like I typically am, you know, like, do you have skin in the game? No, I I don't even write, you know, I don't do anything. But right now, um, I decided to kind of give it, um, give it another shot. Sal, uh, Stefanal from, uh, two QBs, uh, dot com actually, uh, reached out to me and kind of, uh, you know, I'm going to put out my first article here pretty soon. I think it's going to think it's going to come out like right around the MFL 10, you know, opening, um, I don't want to give away too much since, you know, since they're putting it out and everything, but um I'm really excited about it. Really excited about it. just getting my foot in yeah, the water. Yeah, it should and, be. That that's awesome. Yeah. You know, when you have when you have kids uh, well, and stuff like that, like you you want to you want to get in it like as 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 much as you can, but I I got to pace myself, you know, got got a lot going on, but I'm really excited.
2: Yeah, and uh, congrats. I um I did a little bit of writing for a website for a while and I stopped and I, I have an idea for a series on trading that I want to do. That I'm going to, I just got to get myself to write the first article and uh, you know and 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 start sending it around and hopefully I'll get uh, I'll get some action too. So um, I know the first article is on the Eagles, and we wanted to kind of cover some of the teams that you think have a chance to be better next year than they were this year. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that whole theory? and then we can work our way into the Eagles.
1: Uh, sure,
2: sure. The article specifically is, uh, is
1: is not necessarily on the Eagles. It does cover a lot of the Eagles, but it's about um, Carson Wentz uh, specifically, just the um, misconception of his 2016 season and how it was better than uh, most people realize. And essentially, um, Lane, Lane Johnson being suspended for that those 10 games were like the skeleton key of essentially seeing his true value with, with him with Lane Johnson and uh Jason Peters on the book tackles he was uh he was a totally different quarterback and we can get into that a little bit later um but you were just specifically asking about the strat- the off-season strategy right just kind of
2: like well um, i kind of you know you were talking to me a little bit about how you feel like you've come up with a way to tell which teams have a lot of uh, unseen room for growth for next year. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So,
1: um, I mean, I don't think it's anything like, I don't think it's breaking news or or anything uh, crazy, but I, I just really like to look at uh, the roster, every team's roster from the GM, the coach, and then down to the player level. Um, and, you know, coordinators, obviously, and then the, the player level so that you kind of have a, an idea of, of what that team's, you know, goal is, like for their roster, like their, um, you know, their their style of defense, so you can know, like, what kind of players they're going to go after in free agency um, You know, a good example would be the Colts. I mean, they have $51 million of cap room. They have a terrible defense. Um, they have a new, you know, GM in Chris Ballard from the Chiefs. Uh, They got, you know, a ton of money and they're going to have to aggressively go after, you know, uh, pieces to that defense to make it look, you know, somewhat similar to, say, like a a Kansas City style defense, Um, you know, and it's just kind of logically go from there, like kind of uh, being able to look at it like that, as well as, you know, um, say with Indianapolis, just their offensive line, like we know for years, their offensive line has been terrible and they've kind of neglected it, and to uh, Luck's detriment, they've neglected the offensive line, and they've, uh, but they finally started to address it, a little bit late, but they started to address it, they added Ryan Kelly, which was a huge boost to the offensive line, and, uh, you know, you can kind of assume by listening to the, the GM that they're going to target some uh, some offensive linemen to put with them, and um, a running back, and things like that, so it's it's not real hard to project that they improve um with their strategy and and considering um you know Chris Ballard's
2: uh past resume and things like that so it's so more you're just kind of looking the Col- at the go ahead so you're high on the Colts I tend to kind of agree with that I think that that's a team that um you know has has all the key pieces and they just need some help on the in the trenches um You know, which kind of gets us to the bigger discussion. You said that a lot of your studying of teams starts with the offensive line, which is near and dear to my heart. Um, I remember when I was young, John Madden came out with his first book, and one of the things I remember him talking about was that him and Al Davis, and again, you know, you're a young guy. When I was a kid, the Raiders were dominant, and they were good for a long period of time. And, He said that he argued with Al Davis not over, you know, what what makes a team great, but they kind of had this running rivalry where John Madden thought offensive line was most important and cornerbacks, you know, defensive secondary second. And Al Davis thought that cornerbacks were most important and offensive linemen were second. And I I really, I mean, you look at what the Cowboys of the offensive line – and, you know, I look at the Colts, because you were mentioning them, and I think if you can get two or three big players, you can afford to have two guys who are just average. But, um, but if you have, you know, so what I'm saying is Kelly being a building block, and they've got, they got one or two other decent parts there, um, they really just need one or two more parts. Right. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, yeah, and then once you get clearing the way. Yeah, and and you know, Luck is constantly getting killed. I mean, I don't think you've really seen his potential the last two years because of how bad that OL is. Well, it's unfortunate to
1: be honest. It's it's really unfortunate. They they pretty much screwed him. I don't know why uh, franchises don't. don't kind of pick up on this, but they invest so much in this, in these quarterbacks, especially, you know, getting, you know, Andrew Luck handed to them um, and then, you know, not putting together an offensive line, you know, to protect him. And then drafting all these receivers, you know, like uh, <laughs> uh, just Philip Dorsett and stuff in the first round, like it just doesn't make any sense. That, and he's that just was getting bad. killed and his health is now, you know, in question Uh, long-term. So it's, I don't know that he's, hopefully he gets to see like the peak of his career, like, you know, uh, with a good offensive line and stuff like that. Um, Unfortunately, a a similar guy like that would be Romo. I mean, Romo got the the stuffing beat out of him for years um, and they didn't, you know, put together an offensive line. They tried to just, you know, get these high profile guys and, you know, he had some success, but I mean, now they finally have this offensive line. They did it in, you know, after the fact, they started building – oh, he's starting to get hurt, so we better start drafting some offensive linemen. Well, now they have this dominant offensive line, and, uh, you know, Romo can't even uh, enjoy it. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't understand tra- owners and GMs. Now
2: he'll probably get traded to a team that, uh, that, that doesn't have a good offensive line. But let's get back exactly. to the Eagles because I don't feel we got the most out of that. And it's funny because I I agree with you. You know, I hear people talk about Carson Wentz on Twitter as as if he was okay to, you know, not really that good. Where I felt like what he did in the beginning of the end of the year for a rookie quarterback without a lot of weapons, I was very impressed by Wentz. Yeah. So here's
1: my thing. Um I I usually like to, I don't know, I get bored by talking about all the players that everybody else wants to talk about. So I like to kind of go a little bit deeper um, when I see something. And when I was watching Wentz early on in the season, I was impressed. You know, Um, I was like, wow. And and a lot of people were like, and a lot of announcers were just kind of enamored. They were starting to talk about him being this, you know, great prospect and things like that. We all know that went real, you know, South really quickly. And and I'll get into that in a second. And of course they all jumped on the uh, deck. Uh, bandwagon, uh, you know, for good reason. Uh, but, you know, Wentz was obviously in the shadow at that point, and And I think a lot of people missed uh, what happened. So when Lane Johnson was suspended, um, and I think it was week five, six. Was, um,
2: I think well, four, five or six. Hold on one second.
1: Gone. Yeah, it was okay. So one through five, um, they had Lane Johnson. Week four was a bye. Um, Wentz was like a, a totally different quarterback. They were um let's see, week one through five and then he was back sixteen and seventeen. So he missed ten games in the middle of that season, okay, last year. So with Lane Johnson, Car- Carson Wentz was had a five and one record, he had a sixty five percent completion percentage, actually sixty four point nine percent, um six point nine five uh, yards attempt. Uh, Per attempt, he had 10 touchdowns and two interceptions in that time frame and only nine sacks. He had 19.28 fantasy points per game, uh, four or five points per drop back, uh, which is a football outsider stat. Um, It's pretty um, self-explanatory, but that's in the Breeze-Cousins range right there. That's with Johnson. Without Johnson, he was two and eight. He had uh, you know two wins, eight losses. He had a 61% completion percentage, so that dropped. He only had 15.11 fantasy points per game. He had six touchdowns and, to 12 interceptions and 24 sacks. And he had a uh, .26 points per drop back, which is the only quarterback to have a worse uh, points per drop back during that span, is uh, your boy Bryce Petty. That's the only quarterback worse during that time frame. And if wow. you watch the games, yeah, I mean, that speaks for itself. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty vast, you know, different um, chasm there. But when you watch the games, I mean, it's apparent. Like The first game that uh, Lane Johnson was suspended, um, don't get me wrong, Peters is great on the left side, but there, there was a huge weakness because uh, that – I can't even pronounce the guy's name. Uh, I'm just going to say his last yeah, name. Yeah, don't By even time. try it. It's like a – fifth round, you know, draft pick that they uh put there on the right on the right tackle. And they played Washington, you know, the first uh first game Lane Johnson was out and Ryan Kerrigan sacked him in the first sacked Wentz in the first drive that they had. And he got sacked I think like six times that game and he had only been sacked I think like, you know, six times that whole first five games. So, you know, he was he was under duress right away. I mean, it was an awful game. I think he was like 11 for 22 or something like that. Um, and th- that was kind of the theme. And they had to eventually mask by tie by putting like two tight, double tight end sets, um, you know, chipping, you know, the outside and stuff like that. They had to help him a lot. So, you know, there was a, there it was not the same, you know, uh, protection and stuff like that. And when you're a rookie quarterback, you need that. So he was a totally different quarterback. And uh, you know they he had Nelson Agu- Aguilar as you know one of his primary receivers, who according to uh, Scott Barrett of Pro Football Focus had was ranked literally the worst receiver two years in a row um, by uh, Pro Football Focus grades. So I mean, at him and you know Jordan Matthews is 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 decent. He's good. I like him, but he's inconsistent. Um, you know Ertz is a slow starter. Usually, you know, so he he didn't, ha- you know, they traded for uh Green Beckham and stuff. And none of those guys scream consistency, you know, when you and I mean, good Lord, they had. uh Of course, I love Sproles, but Ryan Matthews, his career has been inconsistent as well. He's very talented, but he didn't have a lot to work with. Um And he was doing really well, actually, before Lane Johnson was suspended with what he had. Dak Prescott, on the other hand, had the best line of football. Uh, he had Zeke Elliott. He had Des Bryant. He had a lot of weapons, Cole Beasley, Witten, things like that. So not to take anything away from Dak, but he had a much better situation, and Wentz was just kind of flying on the radar. He was the number two pick. You know, people expected a lot more of him. Uh, Prescott was the like a fourth-rounder. So, I mean, it just kind of made Dak the darling, and Wentz was just kind of in the shadow. And I think that will change this year because people will see – Um, you know, that full line together and probably some improved weapons.
2: So, I certainly think it's possible that they uh, improve. I I, I definitely think that uh, I definitely think they're going to prioritize getting him some weapons. Their defense played pretty good. Uh, I think that's an underrated defense. And I, I think what you've uncovered there is kind of a hidden reason why they should improve. And then we'll look at another team in the division, my my team, the New York Giants, and I think that they overperformed. I think they had a pretty weak schedule, and their defense, due to a couple key free agent signings, was able to keep them in games. And Eli had a terrible year, and you can blame some of that on the OL, but um, some of it was uh, Eli too, I think. What are your thoughts on the Giants? um you know their their offensive line and uh and, and and you know Jerry Reese came out the other day and said that he thinks Eli has 2 to 3 more good years in him what do you what's your thoughts on that well i mean they honestly
1: are pretty promising except for Eli Manning he's regressed pretty something fierce but um you know again you need to have a strong offensive line um he doesn't have you know a running game to rely on. They added, uh, you know, Sterling Shepard and to to Beckham, which is huge. But I, I think, I think with the Giants, I mean, man, I love that defense. They are they put together a really solid defense and stuff like that. So I think they can really um, ride that and then build um, build the offense. And honestly, if they get mediocre play from Manning and add like a pass catching tight end, you know, with a big um, catching radius, um, you know, like that'll help him a little bit, maybe give him, you know, another, uh, a running back. That's what he's going to really need as well. You know, I think they can, they can do some damage. And if, if Manning kind of has one of those, you know, Manning uh, vendors, where he just gets hot all of a sudden, and, you know, I think they could do damage in the playoffs if they, if they add some pieces because that defense is amazing. Um, I'm a big yeah, fan of that. the offensive of that
2: line. Richburg is a good player. Um, you know, they got one other player on that. Uh, but Flowers, who they overdrafted at one, I think it was one nine, you know, he, he came out with a lot of questions about his hands. And, you know, I don't think he's a left tackle. I think they need to find a, a left tackle, move Flowers over to the right side where he can concentrate more on run blocking and opening up some big holes. Pew is a good player, but they're they're, they're two guys short and Flowers just isn't a quality left tackle. You can't have penalties for holding every fifth drive. Um, you only get seven, right. eight drives a game, and, 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 and Flowers, you know, you get a 10-yard holding penalty, and it makes it very, very difficult to sustain a drive. Another team that seems to be self-imploding from what I'm hearing is your Washington Redskins. Now we're hearing hey. talk that Kirk <laughs> now we're hearing talk that uh, uh that uh, Kirk Cousins might be traded or um you know it just doesn't seem like he wants to sign a long-term contract with them and now we're hearing things about the general manager is drinking again uh it, it seems like the Redskins are heading for another Daniel Snyder explosion. Uh what's your what's your take on that team? Nice setup. Thank you. That was, that was a nice setup. Um, I, uh, I got thank, a couple of thoughts.
0: Thank you. For,
1: yeah. Yeah. You, you, you really set me up. Um, you know, um, first of all, I am a Redskins fan, but I, I gotta tell you, like, I'm really mad. <laughs> I'm really mad at this franchise. <laughs> um, and you know, I put up with a lot of crap over the years and I thought that,
2: you know, yeah, you're finally after remember.
1: the RG three debacle, like, you know, I thought maybe, you know, maybe with, Scott McLuhan, like things would, would turn around. And I was all in with Scott McLuhan because finally I love building through the draft. I love, you know, uh, bargain hunting and free agency and and kind of, you know, building a core and stuff like that. And it was awesome. Year one, um, had an amazing off season. I mean, I couldn't have been, you know, more hyped up, but, uh, last year he screwed the pooch real bad, real bad. Um, you know, we can talk about Docs not playing and stuff. It's not necessarily his fault. I actually think they would have drafted Ryan Kelly if he was there. Um but anyways, the whole the whole point is like, I think that um they mishandled Kirk Cousins for sure. They should have re signed him last year. They uh they screwed themselves there. And now, you know, they're gonna either try to trade him to get some picks and stuff like that, but I think I think they're just in a in a rough uh position. If they franchise them You know, they're going to lose probably Deshaun and Pierre. Um, I think we'll see two tight end sets a little bit more this year. I think we'll see uh, Jordan Reed and and Davis um, a little bit more and and a stronger running game. Because the one thing that I can say about Washington um, that I know for sure is that their offensive line is really moving in the right direction. They have a really, really strong group. With Williams, has finally he came back to kind of being like one of the best left tackles in the league. Um, uh, Morgan Moses has been really a, a stud right tackle, and so we got the two bookends. They finally developed Spencer Long into a, a center. This will be year two as a center, and he's pretty promising in that role. So, um, and then we drafted Sheriff a couple couple years ago. So, anyways, we have a really really good unit. They just need a left guard. And uh, Spencer longed to develop a little bit more, and I'd expect this to be a borderline elite unit, which would give Rob Kelly and you know probably a draft pick some uh, nice room to run. So I think honestly you'll so, start to um, see a little bit of a shift.
2: So what I was going to say, I I remember Morgan Moses when he came out. There was a lot of questions about him. I believe he was a fourth round pick, but he really does seem to have turned the corner. Oh yeah, yeah. He had a rough first year.
1: Um, but he they uh he wasn't even gonna be the starter, I guess, year two or something like that. Um and he just kind of pushed for the job and that was the reason Scherf actually moved over to guard. Scherf struggled a little bit at right tackle. I don't um I guess that was the plan originally, but Morgan Moses really just the job. So that kind of uh solidified the right side of the line and uh made it made it a develop a lot quicker than they anticipated. So he's been really good the last couple of years.
2: He's graded out pretty well. Yeah, and as far as Cousins goes, I mean, you know, they're in a real bind now because he's pissed and he's an emotional guy, and if they franchise him, they they risk losing him for nothing because, you know, this will be the second time you tag him, they can't tag him a third time, uh you know, because of the uh the, the player's agreement. Um you know, at it's it went from.
1: I think they could we're have gonna like thirty
2: million. This, we're gonna sign this guy. I'm sorry. Say what? Uh, I think they could tag him a third time. I think
1: it's like thirty million, and I don't think uh, they would
2: do that. I only thought you could tag someone two times, uh, but I, you I, might I be, right. be wrong. Regardless, they should, they're not gonna do it. So I only think they can tag him. The, you, I only think the 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 agreement with the players is you can be tagged twice. So if he plays on the tag the second year, he's a free agent and he can go wherever he wants. So if they don't feel like they can sign him, that gives you know teams that want to trade for him more leverage than you would have expected. So it, it's right. a really interesting situation and one that I need to keep an eye out, and all the people out there need to keep an eye out on. Um, you know we've kind of gone through the Colts and we've kind of gone through most of the teams in the A.O.E.s. Um, except for the Cowboys. And the Cowboys, we talked a little bit about their O-line. We all know about Ezekiel Elliott and Dak and all the things like that. Uh, But once again, they choked in the playoffs. What do you attribute to them? You know, what do you think it is that they need to really get to that next level? Um, You know, I think
1: they're kind of their job right now is like, um they've been in a salary cap bind for a little while they just you know restructured a few contracts and stuff so they they freed up some room but they really are in a good spot to to add talent but they're going to lose um a lot of like not necessarily like stars but they're going to lose a lot of um you know um just starters or or role players and stuff and I, they may struggle to replace all of it i'm not i'm not sure exactly but i've been listening to some over the cap uh you know podcast specials here and there and reading a bunch of articles and stuff. So I, I don't know. I'm interested to see how they're going to do that, how they're going to navigate through free agency and, and the draft and stuff like that. Um, I, I, I think honestly, they need to, they need to open up the playbook a little bit for Dak probably, um, you know, and build that defense um, that I don't think it's really a big secret. I think they just kind of, they have a, they have a really strong elite offensive line. They have, ezekiel elliott to kind of you know just plow behind them and they have plenty of options in the passing game they're going to need a number two receiver i've heard i, I don't know who they can afford um you know so that's something to keep an eye on they an, another playmaker would be nice um in the secondary. Uh, Beasley is first.
2: essentially their number two um True. even he, though he's, he's a lot better guy. than I he, yeah he's a even though he's a slot guy, he's, he's been essentially their number two receiver this year. Uh, Terrence Williams is, is pretty one-dimensional. It'll be in, you know They've got Bryce Butler on the roster. He's a guy with a lot of talent. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do there. So you've been looking at a lot of advanced metrics. Uh, what are some of the other things you've been looking at and what other teams have really caught your eye?
1: Um, you know, I, I never got to finish the last part about the Eagles is uh, Football Outsiders does some really cool stats um, that you can kind of look through and stuff. And the one thing about the Eagles is that they had a their efficiency, you know, their offensive efficiency, the total efficiency was uh, extremely high. I think they were fourth in the league, and they had an estimated win total of like, I think it was 103 so they had they they got 7 wins but they actually underperformed compared to you know their just how the season went and just different metrics that kind of compare you know how how efficient they were so there's some room for equity there um and that was again without the added talent that I'm assuming they're going to go after this year so um that's a team to look out for i think the chargers were the same kind of way i think they were they might have even ranked a little bit ahead of them in that area where they lost a lot of close games. Um, J.J. Zacharyson, I think, just posted something about that on Twitter the other day, and it kind of reminded me about it. Um, uh, let's see. Just other teams that are under the radar. I don't know. Well, you know.
2: You brought up the Chargers, and that's a team that's very interesting to me. I just traded to get Tyrell Williams in the Dynasty League. And I know Keenan Allen is coming back, and hopefully he'll be healthy. But if you put Terrell together with Keenan, and then you've got a young, really talented tight end, I think, in Hunter Henry. And, you know, Phillip Rivers could be a buy in fantasy leagues, don't you think? You know, it's uh, – I think
1: it was – and two QBs, they uh, they put out some all these different rankings recently. And I think it was Josh Lake that may have been hyping up uh, Philip Rivers a little bit. And honestly, he's in a great spot because last year I was I was all over the Melvin Gordon train, um, and I was kind of seeing that like you know I just couldn't unsee it. I just it just made sense. Uh, but with this year, man, Philip Rivers is in a, in a great spot because he's got uh, just a lot of different weapons now. I mean, Keenan Allen's healthy at the moment. Um, they have Tyrell Williams, who's you know looks like a, a really nice, especially a vertical threat. Um, Hunter Henry, Melvin Gordon, you know they'll get Woodhead back and stuff like that. So I don't, I'm I'm thinking that they uh, that Rivers is a pretty nice steal in the la- later uh, rounds of your draft for sure. Definitely somebody well, I'll be looking at if, towards the.
2: Especially if you're going to be doing some MFL tens now where, you know, people, you know, he might, you know, he could be a 14th, 15th round pick in MFL 10s this year. Um maybe right. not that late. Maybe I'm I'm exaggerating it, but when you think about all the regular stud um quarterbacks and then you think about the up and coming guys like Winston and uh, Mariota, and Dak, um, it, I, I think he could he could definitely, you know, and, and people take M in MSL 10s quarterbacks late. Um, he could be late. As far as Danny Woodhead, I do want to interject that he is a free agent. The Chargers do hope to resign him, um, and I think that they should resign him if they can, and I think it makes too much sense for both sides for it not to happen because as good as Melvin Gordon was in certain ways, he certainly doesn't do what Danny Woodhead does.
1: Right. Uh, And his price is going to go, you know, obviously his price is way up as it should be this year, but I'm usually, I don't know. I'm usually going to be, I'm not going to buy somebody at their uh, peak price. I'm not going to try to go after somebody at their, at their height when I feel like last year I knew his ADP, like he'd outperform his ADP comfortably, but this year, you know, when you're, When you're taking him at his his ceiling, I don't know. I I, I don't know about that. I'd rather take Philip Rivers when they probably will shift a little bit more towards, you know, a balanced offense.
2: I saw something, you know, one of the really smart guys on Twitter posted, you know, all right, MFL 10s, we know who the top eight are. Who's the ninth guy? And they gave you a list of like five, six guys, and one of them was Melvin Gordon and i almost threw up in my mouth a little bit because there's no way in hell i want to be taking melvin gordon in the first round of a fantasy draft i i i mean i i haven't really dug in you know i typically i'll i'll do an mfl 10 or 2 for fun now but i really don't do them until after the draft because i i really need to see where people are going to go there's too many guys who study these rookies better than me for me to guess without but just the concept of Melvin Gordon being a first round pick and I know he put up the numbers to do it but it was like it was like everything went his way for that to happen um I mean could you see putting a first round grade on that guy
1: you know the one thing that the one thing about the Chargers is that they uh who's it Anthony is it his name Anthony Lynn who's the the Bills coach Yeah. Okay. So he's,
2: that's that's the new head coach.
1: So he's, uh, you know, has a power scheme. He's going to probably go after some, some O-line talent. They have a huge offensive line, but they're not particularly good, especially in pass blocking. Um, so, I mean, I think that you could make a case for it, like projecting that they do that, but you know, that wouldn't probably be in your best interest at the moment. Um, I don't know. I'm interested to see like what he does. Cause he is a key piece. Like I said, I like to see, look at it from the head down. And I think, I think uh, if he does anything like he did with Buffalo's running game, then I would be interested.
2: Well, that's awesome. I I want to really thank you for coming on the podcast. Any last thoughts before we kind of segue out?
1: Man, I thank you. I mean, I appreciate it. I like, I'm, Anytime I get a chance to talk about football, you know, I, you know, I'd jump on it. So thank you for having me on. Um, You know, just, just uh, really enjoyed talking some football in February.
2: (laughs) Yep. Yep. And we'll definitely have you back on sometime if you want to come back on Uh, always. uh, If you, if you, if you discover something, that's really interesting uh, let me know. And in the meantime, I know you and I are going to spend a lot of time going back and forth on Twitter You know, your story about coming on Twitter and finding a a group of people who just, you know, you feel like you're finally home, right? Well, you're probably a little young for this, and, and you might not know this, but I always tend to lead out the show with a song. And so I uploaded a song today by Blind Melon called No Rain. And if you remember the video, or if any of the listeners remember, it was about this girl in a bee costume, and she went through life not really feeling part of anything. And at the end, she got to a park, and she saw everyone dressed in the same costume she was. Well, I, 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 when you told me about how you felt about Twitter and finding all these people, that's kind of how I felt as well. So in honor of the tw- the, the Twitter Fantasy football community and all the great people out there. We're going to close the show with "No Rain" by Blind Melon. Joe, thank you so much for coming on the show. No hip hop. (laughs) Uh, Not I. I've never let out a show with hip hop. I'm not. I'm not morally opposed to doing it, but you got to remember (laughs) I'm 54. So we're gonna we're gonna head out with no rain. And uh, you know, uh, if you come back on, you can tell me what song you want to end the show with, and if it if it doesn't make me vomit, we'll, we'll definitely play it.
1: I mean, we could do some Hypnotize. We could do some B I G as I as we segue. You know, we can work on this.
2: We can work on this. I I I I've got like four rap albums. One of them is the Fugees. <laughs> so if you like the Fugees, I got you covered. If not, I got to go to iTunes and listen, and we'll have to see what That's happens. Hilarious. But in the meantime, well, thank you again, man. I, I appreciate it. One last thing, do you mind if my, I just say uh, uh, check
1: out 2 dot com. Yep, In about go a week, or I think Monday, I think possibly, is when they'll be putting out the the article. They have amazing writers at the site, so 2QBs.com, check it out. They're an amazing group. Um, anyways, go ahead. Put put on the uh B They're really music. good
2: guys. Um, you know, you can follow me at Twitter, at Todd, T-O-D, F-R-O-M-P-A, Todd from P-A, that's with one D. If you uh, let me know you saw the podcast, I absolutely will follow you back. And I thank everyone for listening. Um, You can also follow Joe on Twitter with his last name, at P-A-E-N-O. Definitely give him a follow. He's a great guy. He knows his stuff, and he's funny on Twitter. So no rain, blind melon. Have a good day, everyone.